Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. Over the next several weeks, we will be celebrating Advent. Every time that I examine the Advent themes and prepare Advent messages, the subjects become more convoluted. In my mind, anyways, the, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which literally means coming. And so in broad strokes, Advent is a celebration of the coming of Jesus Christ. But is it the first coming of Christ that we're celebrating? Or the second coming of Christ that we're celebrating? Or is it the coming of Christmas that we're celebrating? It's also recognized as the time of prayerful meditation and preparation for His coming. Is that prayerful meditation and preparation, practically speaking, us anticipating the day of Christmas, the celebration of His birth? Or is it for Christ's second coming? To make it even more complicated, we tend to look back in time to the expectation and preparation of the Old Testament saints in their anticipation of the coming Messiah. From their anticipation, we see that, or we see what expectation for the coming of Christ should look like for his returning glory. We go back far enough that our looking forward from that perspective is still actually looking back from our perspective. So it kind of complicates it in my mind especially in the subject of hope. In the strange collision of past, present, and future events and in lacking clarity of which time frame we are celebrating, I have often tried to include all three time frames, past, present, and future. Matter of fact, several years ago I did where we took the themes of Advent and we said, as we will say this morning, hope has come in Jesus Christ. And we would look at that as the fact Jesus Christ came and he brought hope. We have hope today that is present hope and there is a future hope that is in store for us. And so we look at the past, present, and future and hope is the most convoluted in those because when we say that uh, love has come, it's very clear. Love has come in Jesus Christ and it is ours today. We experience it today. So this year I'm going to try to skip the past and the future aspect of hope and peace, joy, and love. Those are the four major themes that we'll be looking at. And focus on simply the present. A difficult one to do with the subject of hope. Because Christ has come. We have hope today. We have peace. We have joy. And we know love. And I want to examine what that actually looks like practically for us today. Now in regards to the subject of hope, hope has come in Jesus Christ. It is a reality It's one of the hardest areas to differentiate between past and future aspect because hope is inherently based on something future. After all, hope, by a biblical definition, is a confident expectation and anticipation of that which is to come. It's not wishful thinking. It's not merely a desire. It's it's not used biblically as it is commonly used today. It's not hoping you'll win the lottery, but a confident expectation of the fulfillment of all the promises of God In Christ Jesus. Confident expectation. And I'll repeat that many times through this message. In Romans chapter 8, which is what we're going to look at here, which is the most exhaustive look at biblical hope, it says in verse 24, hope that is seen or hope that is realized is not hope. For why does one still hope for what one sees? Then it goes on to define hope in verse 25. It says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So primarily, hope is still future. So why would I be talking about the present aspect of hope? Because it still has an impact, a dramatic, a monumental impact on our lives today. Hope 
in itself is still future. That's pretty straightforward because hope that is actually realized would now be a reality. You can't hope for it anymore if you've already realized it. If you hoped to get paid on Friday, November the 27th, and if you're working a regular job that pays on the last Friday of the month, that should be a pretty confident expectation. Then when you got paid on Friday past, you no longer hope to be paid on November the 27th. It's actual. And that's exactly what the Word of God says about hope. If hope is experienced, you no longer hope for it. So hope looks forward. Inherently, it looks forward. And I pray that you'll see that as we read together Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 18 to the end of verse 25. Before we do, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we begin to celebrate this season, Lord, we give you thanks that it is a season of the coming of Jesus Christ. And that as we speak of the present reality that that has accomplished, that you came as a babe in a manger, but to be Lord and Savior, to die on the cross in our place. And as we speak of that reality, may that be expressed. When we speak of hope and joy and peace and love, may it be truly a reality in our life. Even as we look forward to the consummation or the completion of those things at your return, we recognize that that you have granted them to us now and that the impact upon our life should be real, should be visible, it should be evident. And so we pray that it would be. We pray that you would grant us wisdom as we look into your word this morning. We pray that you would grant us as well a a heart of expectation, looking forward with longing to the day when you will accomplish all that you have promised for your children. Lord, we look forward to the day when you come again. May our eyes be fixed upon that. Even as we celebrate Christmas, may we not be even so distracted by that that we forget that you were coming as, as Lord, as Master, as Sovereign over all. You are returning in victory. May we be faithfully serving you when you return. Grant us wisdom and understanding by your Holy Spirit. According to your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes groanings or intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. May God bless to us the reading of his word this morning. 
we see here a portion of what the hope is that the child of God has. And I want to make it clear that we are speaking of those who have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. That we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And it is a hope that all need to hear about, that all need to know. Without Jesus Christ, we are hopeless. We are separated from God by our sin. There is no relationship with God, and there cannot be except through Jesus Christ. He is our hope. But when we trust in Jesus Christ, then we are granted this confident expectation. And according here to Romans chapter 8, that confident expectation that we have is basically the completion of our salvation. This is where you get the past, present, and future aspect of hope, even of salvation. We were saved the moment we trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We are being saved, that is daily, Prayerfully, we're being saved from the power of sin. We are living in victory. That is His present salvation. And eternally, we will be saved. That is completely redeemed. There is this, this longing that we have and a looking forward to the day in hope of the completion of our, of our salvation. Paul says here, we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit in verse 23. That is, we have the abiding presence of the Spirit. All those who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are indwelt by the Spirit. First John tells us that if you don't have the Spirit, You don't belong to Jesus Christ. It is the mark of the one who is being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we also who have the first fruit, that abiding presence of the Spirit, as a guarantee of that which is to come, even we ourselves, believers today, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. The moment you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, you are adopted into the family of God. That is, you become a child of God by grace through faith. The transaction has taken place. The paperwork is done. The debt of your sin was applied to Christ and the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been applied to you. But you haven't been taken to live with your adoptive parents yet. Or parent yet. It, it is complete legally. It is complete positionally. But it has not been finalized and it hasn't been experienced practically. And so your salvation and your adoption and your redemption, in a sense, is complete in salvation. And yet there is a fulfillment of it that hasn't been accomplished yet. And that is our hope, our salvation, our adoption, our redemption. It is what we are looking forward to. We await that. It says we eagerly await it with perseverance. We hope in that. We confidently expect We confidently believe that Jesus Christ will come, take us to be with himself. He will completely and fully save us, and that hope is glorious. One day we will be set free, not only from the penalty of sin which happened in salvation, past tense, not only from the power of sin which should be happening daily, but we will be set free even from the presence of sin in Jesus Christ. That will be the completion of our salvation. That is the confident expectation, the hope and the longing that we have. We don't just hope for heaven, although that is part of it, as far as have a confident expectation. We look forward to the completion of our salvation. As you see here in Romans chapter 8, our hope is our adoption. Our hope is the completion of the redemption of our bodies. It is the completion of our salvation. So 
all things that are a part of that are also a part of our hope, our confident expectation, everything that pertains to the completion of the fulfillment of our salvation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. That is, we look forward with great anticipation to the day when our position in Christ is completely righteous, both positionally and actually practically. We recognize that when you trust Jesus Christ, you're declared righteous. But you recognize as well that your actions aren't always righteous. We still live in a body of sin. And so we look forward to this day where we experience, where we know in in fullness, righteousness by faith. In Acts chapter 24, verse 15, Paul says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection from the dead, both the just and the unjust. That is, we look forward to the resurrection of our bodies. That is a hope, that is a confident expectation. Both the just and the unjust will be resurrected. But the just or the believer, the one in Jesus Christ, will be resurrected to new life in Christ. We have confident expectation of the resurrection to everlasting life. In regards to that eternal life, Paul says in Titus chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. The hope of the resurrection, the hope of eternal life, they are tied together for the believer. That is what we are looking forward to. That is our hope. And connected with them is the glory and the eternal reward that is to come. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To them, the New Testament saints, God willed to make known by the revelation of Paul, or to Paul, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is that Christ now abides within believers and ensures or promises future glory in Jesus Christ. That future glory is Christ himself. Christ is referred to as our hope and as our glory. It also includes this hope or this confident expectation of the riches of God in Christ Jesus as far as our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It also says in Colossians 1 verse 5, that this is the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Now I realize that that was a lot of different verses, and we did a quick scan of a bunch of New Testament passages. But it's a brief overview of, of those passages, some of them, which speak of that which we confidently wait for, which we confidently expect and we anticipate. And I've only used verses. There's a lot that speaks about the Word of God or speaks about hope within the Word of God that doesn't use the word hope. I've only used verses that had the word hope in them and saying this is what our hope is. This is what our confident expectation is. I'll recap it for you in case you missed it. Remembering that hope means confident expectation. That confident expectation is based on the promises of God in Christ Jesus. He is our hope. We hope, confident expectation, 
We hope for final and complete adoption. We hope for the redemption of our bodies. We hope for the complete positional and practical righteousness of faith in Jesus Christ. We hope for the resurrection of the bodies unto eternal life with God. We hope for eternal glory in Jesus Christ. We hope for eternal rewards in heaven. We hope for all the riches of God in Christ Jesus. This is our hope. Everything, every unfulfilled or yet unmet promise given by God for the child of God is our hope. We look forward expectantly and confidently to everything that God has said will be. That, to me, is glorious. It is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, It's actually beyond our ability to fathom or to imagine. And that's only from six or seven different verses speaking about what is laid up in store for us. It's no wonder that Paul begins the message we read there in Romans chapter 8 with the statement, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Nothing compares to the hope of the believer. Now, as I said earlier, hope is always future tense, or it wouldn't be hope. But as much as Advent has the themes of expectation and preparation for what is to come, there should be a present-day reality. There should be a present-day application there as well. Hope has come in Jesus Christ. The story of Christmas is a story of hope to those who are without hope. The Savior has come. Yet the completion of our salvation is future. But from the very coming and indwelling of hope incarnate, it should radically alter our lives today. It's future, but it changes our lives today. So what are some of the things that hope does for us today? I see there being at least four things, and I have four passages, that hope causes for us today or in us today. According to the Word of God, hope grants us strength to persevere. We know that we have hope, right? We've just read a whole bunch about that. I've told you what your hope is. It's all promises of God for the child of God that are wrapped up in the glory of of Christ Jesus. But what does it do today? It grants us strength to persevere. In Romans chapter 8, we see there is suffering. The suffering of this world is held up in contrast to our eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we hold up that hope in contrast to that suffering, we have a proper perspective We have a perspective of what is temporal and will come to pass and what is eternal. The reality is that the suffering is temporal and it will come to pass. Even if it is an an entire lifetime of suffering, it's still strongly, completely outweighed by the eternality of our hope. And so we endure patiently. If we hope for what we do not see, verse 25 says, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance with perseverance. Perseverance sees things through a long-term lens. It looks at the brevity of life and the sinfulness around us and the pain and the hurt and the unmet longings and says, I will be patient through these things. It says, I will be patient even through the suffering for I am fully confident in the promises of Jesus Christ. He will one day bring this short, weary life to an end and then I will rejoice in my Savior and in all the riches of God eternally. Hope says, I will patiently endure the curse of sin in this world and even its own effects on this very body 
for God will one day make all things new. Hope endures pain and hurt and these unmet longings, knowing that God will one day wipe every tear from our eye, one day embrace us in his arms of love and comfort. Then sorrow and suffering will fade as if they have never been. Hope grants us strength to persevere. We need hope to cause perseverance within us. Hope also secures us. Now, I'm not saying that like our salvation in Christ secures us, but hope keeps us steady. It establishes us or grounds us. This is most clearly expressed in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 to 18. This is a passage that has a wealth of information in it, but I'll try to keep it to that simple point of hope. It says there, God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, that's us, the immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, God's telling the truth on this. I guarantee it, based on two things here. His word and his oath. And he goes on and says, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation or comfort who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. All those who have fled to God for refuge, or in other words, all those who have come to him for salvation, are secure in him. He has promised to save the repentant, believing sinner. And he has sworn an oath on his own name to save that repentant, believing sinner. The one who comes to him, he will not cast out. God cannot lie. His promises are true. The one who comes to Christ has a hope set before him. This hope is in Jesus Christ, our high priest. The hope that we have received, and this is the key here for this topic, the hope that we have is as an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast. Our hope in Jesus Christ anchors us. Our hope in Jesus Christ secures us. The storms may howl and blow. Suffering may dash upon us. Chaos may threaten to overwhelm us. But we are anchored in our eternal hope. We are secured in hope. So hope grants us strength to persevere and hope secures us. Thirdly, hope enables us to rejoice. This one makes sense to us. If you have a hope to live for, a hope that is in front of you, is based on the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God and Jesus Christ, then you have cause to rejoice. It would be one thing if your hope was uncertain. When you hope in something that is weak or that is prone to fail, then you aren't likely to be happy about it. You know that those kind of hopes will certainly disappoint. And you've been there before. We've all been there before. We've placed great expectation or anticipation on some promise or guarantee and it's fallen apart, leaving us frustrated and hurt. Even the anticipation around Christmas itself has probably done that to each one of you at some point or another. But the hope that is in Jesus Christ is, is so awesome and it's so certain that through it, we can have joy. Through it, our lives can radically be changed into rejoicing. We find joy in the security of the promises of Jesus Christ when everything else may disappoint us. That principle is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's a good grounds for hope, 
Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We are justified by faith. We are made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe Christ died to pay the penalty for our sins. We trust in him to forgive us and to bring us into right relationship with God. Now as his justified ones, we have peace with God. We have access into the grace of God and we rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Albert Burns notes in the Bible says, we have the prospect of still richer and higher blessings in the fullness of his glory when we are admitted to heaven. We're looking forward to that. Fullness of joy, richer blessings, still higher and richer blessings. He says, this is what we anticipate and therefore we rejoice now. This is our cause for rejoice now. Though our path may currently be a struggle and be difficult, we rejoice because of the hope laid before us. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, we are called to hold the confidence or hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So we are enabled and we are challenged there to stay rejoicing because of our hope until Christ's return. In other words, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in your hope until it becomes a reality and then we will continue to have cause to rejoice. So hope grants us strength to persevere. Hope grants us, or hope secures us. Hope enables us to rejoice. And fourthly, hope emboldens us. Second Corinthians chapter 3, we see that the ministry of the old covenant, the ministry of the law was glorious. It was beautiful, but it brought death or it resulted in death. Whereas the ministry of the new covenant, that being the ministry of grace by the Spirit, brings life and it is even more glorious. And then in verse 11 and 12, 11 and 12 it tells us, for if what is passing away was glorious, that being the law, what remains is much more glorious, the ministry of the Spirit. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. We use great boldness. We have hope by the ministry of the Spirit. The work God is doing today and promising eternally causes hope. And in that hope, Paul said, I will be bold. And I think he said, he did say, we use great boldness, not just himself, but because of this hope, the hope of the Spirit, the hope of this age of grace even, the working of God in this world by his Spirit, we have hope and therefore we use great boldness. When Paul considered the wonder of what God was doing through the gospel, and when Paul considered the promise of eternal life, he was, he was bolstered with incredible hope And so he spoke boldly and unashamedly of the gospel. And that should be a reality for us. When we consider the riches of the glory to come for us in Christ Jesus, we should confidently preach the gospel. We should confidently share the love of God in Christ Jesus in hope that others, confident expectation uh, that others would come to know this confident expectation that we have. It's also why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The hope that we have should radiate from us 
so that people will ask us about it. And then in the confidence that hope inspires, we will be always ready, or we should be, we must be always ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for that hope. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ is is an incredible hope. We have the confident expectation of the completion of our salvation. We have the confident expectation of the complete adoption as sons and daughters of God. We have the confident expectation of our final and full redemption. We have confident expectation that we will be made fully righteous, positionally and practically. We have the confident expectation of the resurrection of our bodies. We have the confident expectation of eternal life. We have the confident expectation of eternal glory. We have a confident expectation of an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, which does not fade away. We have confident expectation of all the joys and all the delights of heaven forever, face to face in loving relationship with our glorious God and Savior. Our hope is awesome because it is summed up in Jesus Christ himself. And every promise he has ever made to those who surrender to him and own him as Lord and Savior are yet to be fulfilled in that sense. But even before that hope is eternally realized, we have hope in Jesus Christ now, and it impacts our everyday walk of faith. Because of the hope we have in Christ, we have strength to persevere through whatever temporal things we must endure. We are anchored in the hope that is to come secure, sure, and steadfast in Jesus Christ. We rejoice today in this world of sorrow. We recognize that it is that, but we rejoice because of the hope that is laid up for us. And we are emboldened to proclaim the news of Jesus Christ because of our hope in Him. Hope is not just an element of the future for the child of God. It is certain It is a confident expectation, and so we live as if it was already realized, while at the same time, waiting patiently. Waiting patiently for what is called the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The season of Advent is a season of hope. It is a season of expectation, whether it is looking back and along with the Old Testament saints, anticipating the coming of the Messiah, or looking at Mary and Joseph's anticipation of a baby, or simply anticipating Christmas celebrations, or truly looking forward in hope to the fulfillment of God's promises eternally. It is all precious anticipation. It is precious hope. and We need that hope in our lives today. The world needs that hope. The hope from history past to history future is only found fully and completely in Jesus Christ. As Romans 15, 13 says, and I would pray this in agreement with Paul, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So abound in it, spread it anywhere, spread it everywhere, spread it on everyone that you meet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And we recognize that we are without you completely hopeless, that we are separated from God. We recognize that we are born in sin and we voluntarily continue in sin. And we confess that and ask for your cleansing, for your forgiveness, 
We thank you that you have promised to cleanse us and to wash us whiter than snow. We thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even as we speak of his coming birth and we celebrate that, we recognize that it is incomplete. But that Christ, you came, you did humble yourself, became as a man. You walked on this earth. You died in our place. You rose from the grave. You ascended into heaven. You were seated at the right hand of God, ever interceding for your children. And one day you were coming in victory. You were coming in glory. God, cause our eyes to look past the temporal things that we are so often caught up in and to look forward to that eternal weight of glory, that confident expectation of the completion of all things. In Jesus' name, amen.